Welcome to another edition of Mind of a Madman, brought to you from STS Studios. Uh, I want to thank everybody, you know, for joining us again this week. Um, in case you missed last week, it was a great episode. We talked about uh, cryptids of Australia, kind of gave us a break from space and all the weird things that happened out there, you know, with the aliens and everything. And we just changed the pace. You know, I like to switch it up once in a while. Um, this week, we're going to get back into space, um, and uh, it's it's this is going to be a shorter episode, but uh, just like. Uh, I'm going to give us a reference going forward because, you know, I talk about the, uh, the, uh, Carter. It rates civilizations as far as like, you know, like, 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 like what types they are. And I have a lot of listener, uh, you listeners who don't really understand what the Kardashev scale is. So I figured, you know, we would take this week and, you know, go over the Kardashev scale. I mean, it's not a real long episode, but it, you know, but at least going forward, everybody have a better understanding of what it is. So when we refer to it, they know what we're talking about. Um, also, just updates. Um, the live show is coming. Um, I still don't have an exact date for it. Just keep tuned for it. Um, just try to make sure that it works with my schedule and everything. And uh, so unfortunately, I have a regular job I got to do on top of this. So it, it'll definitely be before Christmas. It'll be in December. Um Maybe two or three weeks from now. Uh, so uh, I guess with that being said and everything, let's just get in. Let's just get right into the news this week. Um, this first article is entitled "Area 51 or, uh, Retired Area 51 Employee Gets Drunk in Vegas and Tells the Truth." If you needed any further proof about the shady practices as the world's most infamous facility where alien technology is developed and tested, you've got it. Just listen to the story coming from a retired Area 51 employee who got too drunk for his own safety and started spilling some highly sensitive beans. The story is told through the, re- the recollection of a vlogger who lived next door to a man who drank too much. The boozer had once held a position at the U.S. military and during his involvement with Uncle Sam, he had seen some disturbing stuff at Area 51. It prob- it's probably the reason he started drinking in the first place. Uh, the vlogger was intrigued by his neighbor's past and always pestered him for information regarding aliens and UFOs, but the man always evaded his questions. But then one night, when the entire neighborhood was dark due to a power outage, the former Area 51 employee was drunk enough to stop caring about his vow not to divulge sensitive information. According to his admission, the, stereotypi- the stereotypical gray aliens with bulbous heads and dark almond-shaped eyes are actually the good guys. The malevolent ones are tall, brown, and they smell. Sounds like a reptilian description. So then he asked how the greys, how the aliens, good and bad, managed to bridge the immense gap between their worlds and ours. The military men told him their ships were advanced enough to generate power, to generate power out of a vacuum, the fabled zero-point energy that would solve, solve all of our energy needs is in the hands of extraterrestrials, and the government has been shaking hands with them for a long time. If you've never heard of zero-point energy, basically it's it's a device that, it, it, it you know, it, I'm, you know, I got to do an episode, I have to research this to see exactly how, how it works, uh, so I can, uh, you know, help, you know, do an episode around it too, uh, but zero-point energy, it's basically... It's almost like you're pulling energy out of out of the vacuum of space, like out of nothing. Uh, 
That's a very interesting theory. It's been it's been theorized to work for decades now. It's just no one's been, been been anywhere close to actually making it work. But he's saying that, that that's what aliens use, which which you know would make sense. So moving on here, the UFOs seen by the former employee use the energy to power device mounted at the front of their craft, capable of warping space-time in such a manner that interstellar stellar travel is achieved almost instantaneously. Whistleblowers like Bob Lazar have made public similar claims perpetuating to the way E.T. travels, so there might be some truth behind this drunken admission of a man who allegedly seen aliens in their machines. Uh, updates as the February 20th, as, as of, well, this article is actually a couple, couple years old, uh, by the way, the, you know, this article you know, sent to me by Yelk listener, so you know, thank you guys for sending me articles and keep sending them. You know, you don't read them ahead of time. You know, I like to be surprised with, with with you guys. So, anyways, it appears that you know, this article is a couple years old. So, as of February 20th, 2018, sorry for the inconvenience we have noticed, and yet another video has been removed from YouTube, and the account has been terminated. Therefore, the above video is no longer available, is what you find if you go to the video that uh, were where uh, this guy was, or this guy was actually, or this this retired Area 51 employee was talking. So it just goes on to say how, you know, how, how often this happened, that, like, uh, not only was his video removed, but the vlogger's entire channel was canceled. It, it, just, it just vanished off, you know. So it's just kind of weird how, you know, I mean, why why would he, can't, you know, why would he, you know, why, why would someone who's been doing, you know, who, who's had a YouTube channel for a while that's, you know, got, a following just up and just stop doing it or you know just you know and take the whole channel down that's just kind of weird so and you know and, you know and i said that it was terminated it wasn't like you know he, he went you know you know removing himself so I, so yeah that arc was pretty interesting um i mean there's nothing really you know anything revolutionary there i mean that's that's what's been you know that's kind of been the whole thing like you know that you know that I mean, now usually you hear that you know, the Greys are not the good aliens, but uh, you know, the whole fact of like you're using your zero point energy for their power source, and as far as being able to warp, warp space time so that you know they can basically travel almost instantaneously between any two two spots in space, those things have been pretty much you know talked about for a long time. So I don't know if it's really anything. Mind blowing this article, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's just kind of cool that you know, just to see another one of these come up that, you know, that was very similar. Let's move on to our second story. <clears throat> this one is entitled "Terrified Couple Find Skeletal Alien Hand on Beach." Scientist says it's not human. A couple got more than they bargained for when they found a strange skeletal hand on the beach, and baffled as to what to what it was, and joked that it could be an alien. A huge skeletal hand has been found on a beach, and a couple who discovered it are fearful that it could be it could belong to an alien. Lydia Gomez Santiago and her boyfriend Devener Suez were strolling along the shoreline when they stumbled upon a strange sight on the sands in Lea Comprado, São Paulo State, Brazil, on the 20th of November. 2022. <clears throat> the couple then filmed. Oh, the pair were horrified uh, at the discovery and shocked. They said, "We think it's not human because of the size and the amount of bones. What? What could it possibly be?" The couple of the couple then filmed an eerie hand with long bony fingers next to 
uh, her flip-flops to show how big it was in comparison with the human hand. Uh, marine biologist Aaron Coleman stated the unusual hand belonged to a crustacean, which is an aquatic... Wait, I, I'm sorry. Belonged to a cetacean, which is an aquatic mammal that includes whales... Dolphins and porpoises. So as she said, it was, it was one of these marine animals. It was something along that, that variety. But admitted further tests would be needed to determine exactly which one. Based on the images and state of decomposition, the biologist said it was likely it was likely that whatever the animal was, it died around 18 months ago. Due to its size, Cuomo said the bones probably belonged to a dolphin, especially as they are commonly found in that region. Uh, so... I'll put pictures of this hand. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it could be a dolphin. It's definitely not human. You know, there's, there, you know, there's no doubt that's not a human hand. But uh, I'll put pictures of this up on up on the Facebook uh, fan page, Money of a Madman, which the you know, links are always in the description. Um, you guys can go check it out and see what see what you know you guys think. You let me know. Is this something that's you know. Is this you know, potentially like you know, right, uh, blown like a dolphin or a whale or something of that sort, or is this something alien or is it something else? You know, uh, you know, well, you guys, you you go on and tell me what you what you think. So, third article is a second interstellar visitor has visited in our has visited has arrived in our solar system. This time, astronomers think they know where it came from. So, if you don't want, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the first interstellar visitor was a was a Muamua, I, th I, I think I'm pronouncing it right, and that and, and you know and you know that that was that was what they what mo what most scientists are saying was probably a chunk of of debris like uh, rock uh, from the formation of a, of a of a of a different solar system just happened to travel through our solar system as it's you know going through space, but of course you know people you know I'm I've just been you know you know speculated that, that you know, it could be an alien probe it could be an alien ship. Just, just because of how it acted, you know, because you know how it changed speed, it changed uh, uh, erection, which what's 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 is very odd for something not under intelligent control to do, uh, and and then have you know, like a debris trail like a comet or something would. So, but there's a second one coming through. So let's go. Let's 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 look through the article and see what what's what it's about or you know, what what this what this new interstellar visitor is. <clears throat> When Oumuamua passed through our solar system in 2017, no one could figure out where the object came from. However, astronomers believe they figured out how Comet 21 Borisov got here. Astronomers have discovered an interstellar object flying through our solar system for the second period in history. But this time, scientists believe they know where it came from. Gennady Borisov, an amateur astronomer working through his own telescope in Crimea, first spotted the interstellar comet. His discovery made the object the first interstellar visitor since the oblong Oumuamua flashed through our solar neighborhood in 2017. A team of Polish astronomers have calculated the, the path of this new comet, known as Comet 21 Borosov, or in early descriptions as C-2019 Q4. It took to... Uh, so they calculated the path that it took to reach our sun's gravity well, a path leads back to Kruger 60, a binary red dwarf star system, 13.15 light years away. 
Rewinding cosmic Brazov's path through space reveals that it passed just 5.7 light years from the center of Kruger 60.1 million years ago, moving at just 2.13 miles per second, according to researchers. So you do the math, that's, you know, a little over 120, a little over 120 miles an hour, uh, or convert it over to kilometers, it's about 180 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Uh, in human t- in human terms, that's quick. Around a top speed of an X-43A scramjet, one of the fastest aircraft ever built. However, oh wait, no, I'm sorry, my speeds are way off. That's not per second, that's, that, that's per minute. Yeah, I'm not even going to do, that's thousands of miles an hour. So, I'm sorry, my, my math will be a fault. Yeah. Yeah, I take that back. That's, that, that's very fast. But an X-43A scramjet cannot escape our solar system due to the sun's gravity. And researchers discovered that if the comet was moving so slowly at a distance of no more than six light years from Kruger 60, it wasn't merely passing by. They believed it was most likely from a star system. From that, from it, from our system, at some point in the distant past, Comet Barossov lively orbited those stars the way comets in our solar system orbit ours. Based on the data available thus far, uh, <clears throat> experts at the University of Maryland, who was not involved in this work, said that the evidence linking Comet 21 Barossov to Kruger 20 Kruger 60 is quite convincing. So, you know, it looks like, you know, this this one probably isn't a spaceship or, uh, you know, you have an alien probe, but just is a comet. You know, I mean, you have, it seems to have, you all have a tail and everything to it, so. But it's just cool that, you know, scientists are able to, you know, look at look at something that's been traveling for thousands, if not millions of years through space, just, just out to randomly traveling, you know, and uh, it happens to, come, you know, happens to, you know, enter our solar system, you know, and are actually able to you know, trace it backwards and figure out where it came from. It's... It's amazing y'all are able to work that out. Our next article, and our, it's actually our final, final article. Uh, I mean, this is, it's sad, but it's also kind of cool at the same time that, you know, something like this, this you know, has been found. It's definitely a big piece of history. A large piece in the area, so it's entitled a large piece of the Space Shuttle Challenger. It's been found off the coast of Florida. This is the first major discovery of wreckage from the Space Shuttle in, in more than 25 years. A big piece of the exploded spaceship Challenger was found off the coast of Florida. Uh, they found a 20-foot chunk of the 1986 shuttle while shooting while the History Channel was shooting a new series entitled The Bermuda Triangle in the Cursed Waters. It's the first major discovery of wreckage from the shuttle launch in more than 25 years. This historic and emotional discovery of the Challenger artifact reinforces the History Channel's mission to preserve important sites and stories from our national heritage. Uh, our goal of creating the series was to give a name to sort of thousands of wreck sites that, the, that call the Bermuda Triangle home and in turn share their stories, historical significance, and even provide answers to how they, how they came there. While remarkable discoveries of wreckage from the Challenger is no part of our diving team's initial mission to explore the Bermuda Triangle, the find's historical significance cannot be understated. The Challenger is a vital part of our nation's history, and we are honored to bring this important fighting to light. The significance of this large section of the Challenger structure was 
was readily apparent. Uh, we recognize the necessity of bringing bringing the find to the immediate attention of NASA. The site, which is out which is outside the Bermuda Triangle off the Florida coast, marks the loss of the seven brave astronauts, fellow explorers, and the challenge of and the challenge of disaster, as it was a tragic setback for America's space program. But from the horrific event, important lessons were learned that has ultimately led to remarkable remarkable advances in space exploration. So yeah, that just shows you that you know, you know, a space or that you know something happened you know uh, 37 years ago, you know, and you know, and we you know, and they've they've combed you know the entire flight path of the Challenger, you know, and, you know, and just when you think that you know they have all the pieces, you know, here's a piece that you know has been laying down at the bottom of the ocean for 37 years, and we just you know, you know the History Channel is doing a show and just stumble across it. It's just amazing how that you know how those things kind of work out sometimes. So, so uh, you know, that's our stories for the week. Um, once again, if you know you have any stories, I don't care if it's about you know aliens, ghosts, you know the space, you know, uh, you know space shuttle Challenger, anything that has to do with science, paranormal, anything that we talk about, conspiracy theories, anything, um, definitely send it along to us. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, 90 percent of the articles that, that you know, I read are ones that you know listeners send in to me. So, um, you know, without you guys helping me, you know, you know, I mean, you know, I don't have all the time in the world to you know work on. You know, a new article or, you know, you have a new topics and then go searching for the story. So, you know, with you guys sending these in to me, it's great. You know, you can, you know, if you're going to send a new story, you know, you know, either, you know, either, you know, message it to us, email it to us or send us a link through like text or something. That's, that's usually, usually the best way. Um, so that being said, let's move on to our topic this week, which is the uh, Kardashev scale. So let's pretend for the moment that we know for a fact that advanced alien life exists. Just as we compare the advancement of nations on Earth, you know, like first world nations, third world nations, we would like to compare the advancement of each of each known alien civilization. This would come in handy just as it does on Earth for things like uh, allegation of funds, resources, charity outreach. Now, maybe not so much with space, with you know, or you know, y'all with alien races, with like you know, with with alien or with uh, your charity outreach or stuff, but. I mean, you know, like, you know, to like, you know, like, you know, where scientifically, you know, where, you know, like if, if, you know, if we ever did, you know, start discovering alien races, you know, we would, you know, it would be good to know where they, where they rank technologically. So, you know, we would know where to, you know, delegate our funds and our resources to, you know, you know, communication, you know, and diplomatic efforts and, you know, whatever. So just so happens that a Soviet astronomer, Nikolai Kardashev pondered this exact thing. Um, he pondered exactly how, you know, how how would we compare civilizations, especially when you consider that planets and the resources each planet would have available to it would be difficult to base civilization technological advancement. It would be like comparing apples to oranges. Then he realized a trend on Earth that is that in theory should apply anywhere in the cosmos. The more advanced a civilization is, the more energy it consumes. So in 1964, he proposed a scale named after himself, called the Kardashev scale. He outlined a scale in a paper presented uh, at the 1964, I'm going to get this wrong, 1964 Buriken Conference, which was a scientific meeting 
that reviewed the Soviet radio uh, reviewed the Soviet uh, radio astronomy listening program. The paper titled "Transmissions of Information by Extraterrestrial Civilizations" classified alien civilizations into three types. A Type One civilization can access all of the energy available on its planet and store it for consumption. So we're, you know, so if, if you look at this right, right off the bat, we're, 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 not even, we're not even a Type One because you know, we can't, you know, this would be consuming all of, all of the planet's energy. So, you know, harnessing harnessing and controlling all the energy from earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, volcanoes, geothermal, everything, you know, you know, taking every form of energy and mastering it and using it for a civilization. That's a type one. So we're not quite there. We're probably about a, about a 0.75, but a type two civilization can directly consume the energy of its host star as well. And a type three civilization is able to capture the energy of its entire galaxy. So, <clears throat> A type two civilization would would be able to use you know, the energy basically of its whole solar system, you know, of its whole star, you know. So basically, all the energy output by our sun, we would consume all of that. Uh, the most common way theorized right now would be what they call a Dyson sphere. It's basically an array of of energy collecting satellites that would basically uh, completely encase the sun, and we would basically you know use all the energy to power our civilization. That'd be a type two, and like, like I just said, a type three, you, you, you'd be able to you'd be able to use all the energy in an entire galaxy. So you would you would be able to harness harness multiple stars. You know, you know whether that be you know Dyson sphering all the stars or encasing the whole galaxy or whatever that might be. In 1980, Kardashev wrote a second article on his called on his on this called "Strategies of Searching for Extraterrestrial Intelligence." As well as a third article called "On the Inevitability and the Possible Structure of Super Civilizations." In 1985, uh, he wrote a fourth article, or no, he, he wrote the third in 1985, and he wrote a fourth article titled "Cosmology and Civilizations," which was published in 1997. In the articles, he proposes ways to detect super civilizations, and they were used to help. Uh, Direct and set up SETI, which is a search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Yeah, that's where they have you know all these big giant uh, satellites all over the Earth, you know, listening for you know, for alien radio signals. Uh, there are two main opponents against the Kardashev scale: the late Carl Sagan, who redefined the parameters and civilization types, and Michio Kaku, who uh, he uses knowledge instead of energy to define to define civilization civilization's advancement. Some scientists question if energy sources and the transmission of energy some question if energy sources and the transmission of interstellar messages are the right way. So let's go a little more in depth into each of the three civilization types defined by by the Kardashev scale. As stated before, this uh, the type of so as stated before, um, a uh, a class one civilization can harness and store all the energy available to the planet. This is a level we are closest to, but not equal to like 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 I just said, because we can't harvest all the energy on this planet currently. Um. <clears throat> to do this, we would have to harvest all the energy we currently do worldwide four times over. 
To do this, the civilization needs to utilize all the fusion, solar, wind, geothermal, and tidal energy on the Earth and store it. We are probably one to two hundred years away from achieving this. In the grand picture of the universe, we're still just ants. You know, there's ants on an, on an anthill compared to a true class one. You know, I mean, we're close, but really we're not. I mean, you know, I mean, now once again, on a cosmic scale, one to two hundred years is is you know is you know cosmically you know when you look at a you know when you look at a universe that's you know you know, right, fourteen to sixteen uh, billion years old I mean you know two hundred years is is just a, it's just a heartbeat but you know that little tiny bit of gap you know from where we're at now to where to what a class one true you know truly is is immensely different you know it's it's we can't even fathom what that what, what that would be like, you know, technologically wise. So moving on to a Type Two civilization, a Type Two civilization would be capable of harnessing all the energy emitted by their star. This would be accomplished much like a Type One civilization by applying by uh, applying the power harnessing power from a large number of planets. So basically, you, know, you could you could do this by you know, like I mentioned, you know, using a Dyson Sphere or Dyson Swarm, or if you could harness the if if you could harness the energy of all the planets in the solar system, because remember, uh, you're harnessing all the solar that's available to that planet too. So if you're collecting it from multiple planets, you'd effectively be, do, be doing the same thing. Um, a Type Two civilization would also feed stellar mass into a black hole and collect the protons emitted by the acceleration disk. One final method a type 2 civilization could use to harvest enough energy is to use antimatter to generate energy. So this is things that we, that we can barely even theorize right now. Barely theorize it, let alone put it into practice. So we're, we're thousands away from a type 2. I mean, just to be able to, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, just... Just, just think about that, you know, to, you know, to, to feed stellar mass into a black hole and collect the protons emitted. So you're talking about taking stars and harnessing them to feed them directly into a black hole. That, that, that it's just mind-boggling what that would take. I mean, we, we can't even figure out how to even, you know, we can't figure out, you know, I mean, you know, how to barely get to Mars right now, you know, you know, and now you're talking about, you know. You know, controlling stars and feeding the black holes, and it's mind-boggling. You know, we're definitely we're thousands, if, if not hundreds of thousands of years away from that. Next, we'd have a Type Three civilization, which would utilize all the power generated by their entire galaxy. So they would basically do what a Type Two civilization does, but do it to every star in the galaxy. Another option would be to harness the energy of a supermassive black hole that exists at the center of, of most galaxies. So, you know, you, you know, so like, you know, so like I just said, you know, you could either, you know, harness every star in that galaxy or just go right for the black hole at the center of it and harness that energy, which is, you know, ridiculously, you know, mind-boggling once again. So Zoltan Galatia has argued that there could be type 4 and 5 civilizations as well, but they would, but they would almost, but would be almost impossible to detect since their technology would be, indistinguishable from the workings of nature. Type 4 civilizations would be able to utilize the 
the the energy from an entire universe. So imagine not only controlling an entire galaxy, but every gal the entire you know entire universe. You know now, now this is you know going into the multiverse theory, you know, where there's multiple, you know, where there's, you know, there's, you know, infinite numbers of, of you know, of your universes. If there were just one universe in a, you know, our universe is just a bubble floating in a giant, you know, in an infinite sea of, of bubbles of universes. So a type four could, could control an entire universe. And if, uh, um, a type five civilization would be able to utilize the energy from multiple universes. Most scientists argue that, though that type 4 and 5 civilizations defy physics as we currently know it. But as we know, you know, once you go, go through a black hole, the laws of physics break down. You know, and what happens when, when you go outside of a black hole? The, you know, do black holes wormhole back in somewhere else in space? Or they empty out into the multiverse? And that, and, and, you know, so if, physics is, if, if, if the laws of physics break down in a black hole... If that's spewed out in the multiverse, who knows what new laws are out there that we don't even know about physics. Maybe there's a whole new law of physics. Maybe there are physics. You know, who knows at this point? It's all just theory. Robert Zubrin has adopted the original Kardashev scale to look at it as how the civilization has spread. And, and at this level, it includes humans. He basically dumbed it down a little bit so that we fit on the scale. Level one has spread across the entire planet, which uh, we have, which would make us a level one civilization on a new refined scale. Um, a level two has colonies across the solar system, and a three would have colonies all across its galaxy. That's you know, so that's that's another way to define it, but it's that's a you know that's a dumbed down version of the, of the other Kardashev scale. But no matter how you define these categories of civilizations, it's clear to see that our civilization, as advanced as it is, is still in its infancy. And on a cosmic scale, we are very small and technologically handicapped. That's why, you know, when, you know, if what we're seeing, you know, the sky, yo, yo, these UFOs and these UAPs, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. You know, and they're doing these 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 maneuvers that are that are impossible to us. I mean, look at what a look at what a jet fighter does. Just just a hundred years ago, that would have been thought impossible. You cannot travel that in that manner because it's too it's too outside of the normal of what, of what we know. Hundred years later, here we are. You know, doing incredible maneuvers in airplanes and jet fighters. You know. Look, look at the medical field. Hundred hundred years ago, you know, you had a bad infection, they just cut the limb off. Um, you know, a lot of things that you know, it's a simple procedure now that you know you can get fixed and go home with. You used to die from hundred years ago. Infection was rampant, diseases ran rampant. Think just hundred years how far that's come. Hundred years, we didn't even have, we had crude cash registers that were all mechanical. That you know we you know we didn't even, you know a hundred years ago we were just coming in a radio. Hundred years later we have the internet we have computers tablets. You know you have you know everybody almost in their pocket has a cell phone, and that cell phone not only can you talk to people, which less than hundred years ago was thought impossible to be able to talk to somebody on a phone or about hundred years ago. You you can access. Any, you know, the entire knowledge of the entire, of, of, 
All the knowledge of humanity is at your fingertips on that phone. You, you, you can communicate with anybody across the world in minutes, if not seconds. It's So, you know, if we come this far in 100 years, think of where we're going to be in 100 years from now. 100 years from now. Think a 1,000 years from now. So that, that's, you know, so, you know, one or 200 years will definitely be, a, a, you know, you have level one on all those scales. But, so that's pretty much, you know, uh, the Carter scale. Like I said, I just want to go over it just briefly because, like I said, I know a lot of times we refer to it. I know, you know, I've had a, a couple of listeners that are like, you know, I don't understand what that is. You know, what is the Carter scale? Can you go into it? So for all you that, for all you that have, you know, contacted me and said, hey, you know, what is the Carter scale exactly? Can you break it down for us? Here you go. This episode was for you guys. Um, so you know, if there's any other things that you guys want me to want me to investigate, look into, break down, like you know, look, I'm gonna look into you know, the zero point energy and break it down and see what that's all about. Um, you know, definitely let me know anything. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, I might not have the answers for everything, but I'm gonna do what I can, and uh, you know, I'll break down as much as I can for you guys. Um, so I guess the only thing left now is to look at our question of the week. So last week I asked you guys, you know, Landon was here last week. He couldn't join us this week. He had other obligations. He wasn't able to join us this week. So I'm doing engineering myself this week, which isn't fun, but we got her going here. So, uh, you know, I asked, so like, you know, we, you know, NASA spends all this money every year, you know, billions of dollars. And I asked, basically, you know, is that money better being spent in space or should we be keeping that money to solving problems on earth that aren't being addressed right now? Like, like homelessness, like, you know, whatever, you know, you know, you know, you have to beef up our infrastructure, you know, you have electrical infrastructure, our, um, you know, you know, our rap, you know, like our roadways, bridges that are, that are, you know, failing in this country, you know, what, you know, could that money be spent better elsewhere? And Yolanda you know, said that it was about fifty-fifty. We're like, you know, we should we should still spend some of that money for space, but maybe maybe use some of it for things down on Earth. Um, I have had listeners to, that you know, commented to me that they're all over the place. Um, I've had some that said, you know, it's fine the way it is. Then you know, a a, a big chunk of the of people that. That you know that you responded back said either a, it's fine the way it is, or b we need to, we need to put more money in more money into space. There are there were a few that said you know we should be be spending less money in space. There were a few that said that you know we need to um yeah, that that was you know that's pretty much it. Well, let me tell you my view. I think that we we don't spend enough money on space. Uh and I mean, you have a good reason for, for why I'm saying that. So, all right. So say, say 50 years from now, you know, astronomers sounding alarm. Oh no, there's a, there's a, they all, there's an asteroid coming for earth. It's, it's, it's a direct impact. It's the size of Mount Everest. It's going to destroy humanity. Well, now you're going to be like, boy, I wish we could solve that problem. I wish we could stop that asteroid. Well, we could have maybe, but instead of putting money into space to understand how to spot these things sooner and divert them or to, or to divert them when they're closer, we kept the money here on Earth. Now an asteroid is going to wipe us out. 
or had we spent more money on space, at least we could have gotten some humanity onto Mars, maybe other star systems, other solar systems. Since you know, so you know, so now because we didn't, now humanity as a whole dies out. We we become extinct instead of you know spreading to other countries or to other planets. Um. There's a lot of valuable medical research that we get from space. You know, there's experiments that you can only carry out in zero gravity, well, in low gravity. Um, there's experiments that you can only carry out, you know, in a vacuum of space. You know, there's there's so many scientific benefits, so many medical benefits, plus you know, you know, survival of our of our species from asteroid attacks, from you know, from solar flares. I mean, you know. I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but one big enough solar flare, and it'll wipe out our, you know, whatever continent or, you know, yeah, whatever hemisphere is facing the sun when, you know, if it emits a gigantic, um, uh, you know, gamma ray burst, it's going to completely decimate and fry their entire electrical system. So if it happens to be us and we're facing, we're facing, you know, towards, the sun and that happens, our entire our entire electrical grid is going to be crippled for years and years and years and years and years. It will be cast back in the Stone Ages while the, while the rest of the world is still operating. It, you know, it has happened before. Now, the last time it happened, we weren't like we are like 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 as, as advanced as we are now. And when that happened, though, um, uh, telegraph wires were set on fire from all the from all the electricity that was. Uh, Generated, so we need to to prepare and look out for dangers such as gamma ray bursts, such as you know asteroids, such as whatever you know. It's something that we need to prepare for and we need to watch out for, and we we're not. I mean, we are, but we're not spending enough money on it. So, my mind, we we need to spend more money on it. So, you know, like like I said, there is no right or wrong answer. It's just what you feel, what you think. Um. So. I guess uh, I guess as we're starting to close out this year, because uh, see this episode to you guys, I'm recording it right now on the 26th, it'll be the 27th of November. So uh, next episode we're going to be into into December already. So I guess next episode I want to know what do you think the biggest the biggest news story was this year, scientifically, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, space exploration, um, something in the news, medical advancements. What do you think the biggest, what do you think the biggest uh, news story this year was, you know, around like science, paranormal, whatever? You know, I mean, I'm gonna let this wide open. You know, whatever you guys feel it should be. You know, just you know, let me know. Uh, make sure you go to our uh, the, the mind of a mad, mind of a madman uh, Facebook fan page. Description will be in the link, or the, the, the link will be in the descriptions. Um, you, you can comment there. Plus, go on, you know, and look at that supposed alien hand that they found on the beach that could possibly belong to a dolphin. Um, you can comment on, on, you can anything on there. You, you can ask any questions. You can go to our, our, uh, you can go to our, go to our email, which seems to be the, the way most, most people are contacting us, which is moampodcast21 at gmail.com. 
That's also in the description as well as our uh, uh, our phone number for you can do phone call, uh, uh, voicemails, or text messages to us. And then when 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 we do have 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 live shows like the one that's coming up, if you want to call in and uh, you know a uh, little message or whatever, you can do that as well. Or uh, call in and talk to us on live shows, you can do that as well. So uh, oh, and I'm also looking once again. I tell Yuck, I want to. Chuck, I'm looking for more listener stories. Um, during our live show on Halloween, we did a couple uh, stories from listeners. They were like ghost story related. Any kind of story, have, whether it's ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, I don't care what it is. As long as it's true, that's all I ask. Um, you know, you can send them in. Uh, I can have you on a guest. I, you know, if you live close to the studio, I can bring you right here into the studio, or we can do it via Skype or however you want to do it. Um, but, you know... Just, you know, jump on our, 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 you know, contact us, get involved. You know, I love hearing hearing from you guys. So with that being said, uh, thank you guys for joining this week. I'll catch you guys again next week. Until then, stay safe.